0: Welcome to the next episode of Get Schooled by Reeves and Ford where we discuss all things college admissions. Joel and I have been having conversations about college admissions for years and we bring those to you.
1: Our goal is to provide information to you, the listener, about the world of college admissions, the processes involved, and the current issues that are a part of the journey to post-secondary education. I'm Chris Reeves, counselor at Beachwood High School, and I'm here with Joel Ford, counselor
0: at Connor High School. Our producer, Mike Piergowski, has an A and a P in his last
1: name that'll make sense in a minute but first oh lord we've got a new segment i'm a little scary we're gonna play a game i love games today's game is called name that college i'm going to give you chris and our listeners some facts about a particular college that i've recently encountered and then it's your job to guess what that college is uh, according to the college board website there are approximately 3,797 colleges to choose from. Approximately. Approximately. So uh, start, start going through that database in your head. All right. I'm going to describe. Wait, dude, I had a dream about this. Like you
0: faxed over information and I could see what schools, and then I was wondering like why you did that because I have to guess. But I, I honestly had a dream about this game. So about um, Name That College. Yeah,
1: I did. Wow. All right. Well, no pressure. All right. I'm going to describe a college for you with, with some current information and some historical background, and you, my friend, are going to attempt to guess what college or university I'm describing from four choices. Okay. Okay. Oh, I get choices. You get choices. Okay. Today we're headed to the MAC, the Mid American Conference. All right. And you're going to choose from the following schools in alphabetical order. You can write them down if you want. All right. Akron. Zips. Yep. Bowling Green. The Falcons. Falcons. Kent State. Oh, I forget. Golden Flashes. Golden Flashes. Okay. Or Toledo. By the hands, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the Rockets. So, yep. All right, you ready? Yes. Here we go. This university was founded in nineteen ten as a teacher training school and currently has eight campuses in Ohio. It also has facilities for study abroad programs in Florence, Italy, and Shanghai, China. The university was ranked the twenty fifth safest campus in the country. It has 131 buildings on the main campus and has more than 2,700 full and part-time faculty. It has 340 undergraduate programs of study among its 10 colleges and also has a college of podiatric medicine, like podiatry, like gotcha. foot doctorate. Foot. All right. There are 38,000 students within the eight campuses, 63% of which are female. It has a 21 to 1 student to faculty ratio on its main campus. Top undergraduate majors include exploratory, nursing, psychology, business management, fashion merchandising, criminology and justice studies, biological sciences, communication studies, early childhood education, and computer science. It has one of the top ranked schools of fashion design and merchandising in the world, ranking fifth in the U.S. and 15th worldwide. The school is also home to the Liquid Crystal Institute, and is a leader in the research and development of liquid crystal technology. The College of Aeronautics and Engineering offers four different aeronautics degrees in flight technology, aviation management, air traffic control, and aeronautical engineering, and it is also home to the Center for Peaceful Change. Chris Reeves. But, what college am I describing? Oh, my. Again, your choices. Okay. Akron. Right. Bowling Green. Right. Kent State. Right. Toledo.
0: I'm going to go with Bowling Green.
1: Did I miss? You miss. <laughs> I was thinking of how big it was. The clue. Eight, eight campuses. Eight campuses. The, the clue that I was hoping you would catch, but yeah. you weren't a history major. No. Was the Center for Peaceful Change. Which I think was Kent set State.
0: Up, oh, man. It was my dad, Kent State.
1: My dad was at Ohio State in 1970,
0: senior year, when that happened. Mm-hmm. And he did not have to, What? Well, on, it's like a, yeah, he didn't have to finish classes, but he didn't finish spring term. They just gave everyone their credits. Right. Um, they just sent, like, basically sent people home and gave everyone their credits. Oh, that
1: is a good clue. Kent State University. Kent State has eight campuses. Yes. And, wow. And the one that, that caught me was, the fifth-ranked fashion design school in America, and 15th in the world. Right, right. And I picked Kent State because they actually scheduled a college visit to come to Connor. You know what? That was my clue, too, because we have one scheduled with Kent State. They're coming. This is the first time they've come to our school. Right. And so I thought that was interesting and thought that would be a good school to spotlight for our first... Name that college. That is a, that is a good school So, for Chris, this. you're officially 0 for 1. <laughs> As, we progress, As we progress, I'm writing this down. 0 be- for 1. Oh, great. So we will see Next in, time. in future episodes if you can get on the board. All right? And with that, let's take a break, and we'll get back to our conversation on AP versus dual credit. Which we haven't always said yet. But... AP versus dual credit. Here we go.
2: All right.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome back. Joel, let's do something a little bit different today. This is our ninth episode and, you know, we quickly learned when we started doing this that we needed to prepare a word. We just fumble all over ourselves. Right. And to solve that problem, you know, we, we uh, sometimes script a lot of our comments out somewhat just to make sure we don't forget something, to have that anchor right. with, with, with an episode like this. And just, you know, again, so we don't forget things. But I didn't do much of that this time. I've got an outline, a few notes, but want to work on improving and and being more spontaneous sure. and more conversational with this. So that's just kind of
1: one of my thoughts before we get going. All right. Well, as we said earlier, this episode is titled AP versus Dual Credit. So I think it's fair for us to start by talking about how this episode came to exist and really if the title is even fair. Right. Yeah. Versus is, is versus fair. Right. Because... A
0: lot of my students will have will have combinations of these classes, right. and we'll talk about that. But if I get one question, if I get one question it's scheduling time, mm-hmm. and then in the summer, and then as I'm planning four-year plans, is, should my kids take AP, or should my kids take dual credit? Right. And oftentimes, it is a parent meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, students, and it, I feel like if we got that question, if we get that question that much... Then we should address it. On yeah, it's, it's worth talking about. Yeah, it's worth it's worth talking about. And and the two big questions to set the stage would be: Should I take AP or dual credit? And then the follow up is always: What do colleges want to see? What mm-hmm. do colleges think? Because mm-hmm. that that guides their that guides their decision. Right. What oftentimes it guides their decision. What what do colleges want to see? And you were an AP teacher before you became a counselor. Mm-hmm. You are. Uh, dual credit Mm -hmm. coordinator at your school. Uh, But just for some background,
1: can you tell everyone what our definitions of AP and dual credit are? So I do feel like I have quite a bit of perspective on this one. Um, If you go far back in time, I was an AP student myself. Uh, When I was in high school, then I became an AP teacher um, and taught United States history and uh, U.S. government and politics. Then when I went into counseling, I became an AP coordinator, um, and did that until my kids made it to high school and had to... And you weren't allowed to do I that I wasn't anymore. allowed to do that right. anymore. Right. Um, so um, now I'm a dual credit coordinator for our school. So um, I've got a pretty good perspective on both programs. So AP uh, stands for Advanced Placement. Um, it is um, a program that is through the College Board. Uh, the College Board is also the folks who do your SAT, PSAT testing, yep. and lots of other, other things. Um, and so it's a national curriculum uh, that is taught, and the whole idea behind it is you're taking a college-level curriculum. Um, in fact, I've often heard um, some people say it, it is more rigorous in some ways than a college curriculum in order for the colleges to know that the kids have, have taken that level of course. Right. Um, and then in May, students uh, take an AP exam. Uh, there's a two-week window in May. Um, where tests are given. Um, college board sets the date and time for every exam and when it's given. Um, students are graded on a 1 to 5 scale um, and depending on the college, um, a lot, for um, a lot of schools credit can be earned for a 3, 4, or 5. For some of your more um, for some of your more highly selective schools maybe looking at more fours and fives, right. uh, but the idea is you pass the AP exam and then you earn a corresponding credit um, at that college. And we'll get into some of that. Right. So, yeah. and when I counted, um, I know, for instance, at my school, we offer 21 AP courses, right. but I didn't know exactly how many um, there were. So when I counted, and I think I've got this number right, there are 36 courses plus an AP research course plus an AP capstone course. Um, And the courses are in pretty much every subject area you could think of, okay? Um, And then, so then I looked at some numbers. Uh, The class of 2018 took a total of 4.22 million AP exams, um, and approximately 1.24 million U.S. public high school graduates took at least one AP exam, and that was almost 40% of the entire national graduating class, okay? Okay. Okay. and then AP exam fee reductions, uh, so those are for students typically that are on free and reduced lunch. Right. Um, that was used by almost 31 percent of AP exam takers. So we've got oh, a wow. lot of kids nationwide that take advanced placement. Yeah. So you know that's a that's well, and it's, that's a good it's, thing. Obviously, it's well known colleges know what it is. Right. Families know what it sure. is. Sure. So then there's dual credit. Um, so dual credit, um, the idea behind that is that students are taking courses. Um, through a college or university. Uh, they may be taking them in their high school or they may be taking them um, on a college campus, but the idea is that the credits earned are gonna be for both the high school and the college. Um, a lot of times there are quote unquote admission requirements to get into those dual credit programs, maybe a GPA or, or an ACT, SAT score right. um, that are required to take those courses. But then and then those are set by the college, usually. Right, usually. Yeah. Uh, but then the students um, are actually physically in a college class um, with either a college professor, or I know we have um, we have a couple of classes at Connor that are taught by our teachers, but they are credentialed yeah, to Latin teach at a, a, Right, yeah. they're yeah. credentialed to teach at a college level as well. Um, you take the class. At the end of the class, um, you've earned however many credit hours the class was. Um and you move on to bigger and better things, sure um, and I think that maybe something we can get into later i I know that's one sort of topic that parents are often often struggling with um earning the credit through a dual credit or earning the credit by taking the a p oh, exam. I'm excited to get into it we're gonna yeah.
0: Um, we will we will we will we will dive into that right. because I f- I feel like I've got some answers for that
1: and in right. our interviews coming up soon so. sure um, and so then when I was looking at some statistics about a third of high school students took courses for college credit um, according to a study from the U.S. Department of Education um, and so that that dual enrollment data was based on a 2009 study of more than 23,000 ninth graders uh, whom the department surveyed again in following years um, what I thought was a little surprising. The vast majority took coursework within their own high schools. Um, I guess I was expecting more kids to actually go to a college campus. Right, yeah. Um, so that one surprised me a little bit. Um, and that may be skewed, uh, my opinion of that may be skewed actually just from the experience in my own building uh, because it's, it's pretty evenly divided between taking classes on campus Versus oh, taking really? classes because in most,
0: most of mine are here. Right. And I have maybe five kids and you know, right. go to campus. Right. So uh, that probably that probably swayed sure. my opinion there. I'd be really curious to see the research on how many have both. Because 40% have an AP. Right. And a third have dual credit. But how many?
1: Well, I know of at least one. Um, and I'll get into you, her. You'll talk about her I'll her get into my know. daughter's situation later. Um, she's one that's, that does both. Um, but anyway, yeah. And as we know, I'm changing subject slightly, as we know, um,
0: when we're not talking in our interview, e is talking is usually the best part of our episode, right? And we generally save that toward the end. But I think before we kind of analyze this and get into it, we would like to we'd like to, to hear from our guest. So let's take a quick break and and bring in Dr. Jeff Post. Sounds good. All right. Welcome back. We are excited today to bring along Dr. Jeff Carlson, the Senior Director for Rural Engagement from College Board. He's been at College Board since 2015, and in 2016, he earned his doctorate in Educational Leadership with a focus on rural education. He's taught in New York City schools, has worked for Franklin and Marshall College, and is the son of educators. Jeff, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's get started right away. So, sure. why should a student take AP?
2: Yeah, so if you're looking at AP, it's because it's the kind of largest, most widespread college credit and high school program. So we have research from over 60 years of the AP programs to show that um, how students have grown academically and a way for everybody to tell across the country what success looks like, right? So to, to what most people know, that exam that takes place in May. Gives everybody, whether you're in Kentucky, whether you're in Idaho, where I grew up, or whether you're in New York City, where I taught, that score means, can mean the same thing to people all across the country. Um, so, if you're looking for kind of a standard by which to measure whether you're doing a great job uh, getting ready for college, AP can serve that for a lot of folks.
0: That's awesome. That's I mean, that's that's a really good answer. I know one of the things we do talk about is that that consistency and and knowing. Uh, follow up to that. How do, how do they, how do, how do we kind of guarantee that consistency across the country?
2: Yeah, so it's a great question. So uh, it takes usually a couple of years. Whenever we look to try to make any changes to an AP exam, uh, we have a set of high school teachers. Um, high school, college counselors, admissions officers, higher ed faculty get together and they look at the course content. They say, you know, what is being taught in colleges across the country? Does this exam match that? And so we, we test that, we figure that out, then we make sure that the questions of course that we ask on the, on the exam um, don't have any kind of bias in them so that we're not, you know, making sure that all kids can answer the questions the same way. Um, and then we do a lot of work to make sure that that exam is taken at the same time. So we put out the date In every single year, every kid across the country is taking that exam at the same time. We've actually had to put in some security precautions to make sure the kids on the East Coast don't have a way to let kids on the West Coast uh, know anything about the exam. And so we take that pretty seriously. We want to make sure that every single kid, when they walk into the exam uh, every year in May, have an equal shot at showing what they know and what they've learned. And that gives uh, college admissions officers confidence, right? They know that when they get that exam score, they know what it looks like. They know what that challenge looks like, and it's different. When I took – I didn't have any AP classes in my high school, but when I took a a dual enrollment calculus class, I got a 98%. My teacher was awesome. She was a retired woman from a different part of the state, and I talked to her a lot. And I thought I did a great job in calculus, but then I turned around – when I got to college, and it wasn't quite where I needed to be. And so what we try to do at the College Board is ensure that everybody across the country, when you take an AP Calculus class, you know kind of what's, what you she, what you need to know if you're going to go into your freshman year of college, and then also that that college knows what you've learned while you're in high school. So we try to make sure that that's an obligation both on us as the College Board, um, but also give confidence to admissions officers and then the colleges themselves. So is there truth
1: to the idea that I've mentioned before, that the, the AP curriculum might actually be a little more rigorous than the corresponding college course so that colleges know that the kids are prepared?
2: So it depends. I think probably every <laughs> college in the country would say that their course on their campus is more rigorous than what would be offered in a, in a high school campus. And, of course, sometimes that's true. That's going to vary by faculty member. That's going to vary by student experience. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think what we try to say is that we want to be what an average college course looks like. And so there is going to be variation. There are some campuses where it's probably more difficult. There are some campuses where it's probably a little bit easier. But some of that's in the eye of the beholder. Our job is to work with a diverse set of folks to make sure that we can be confident saying, this is going to look something like what the average kid would experience in college. Um, And that's a tough job. That's why we take it pretty seriously. And we we take years before we make any changes to these courses because we want to make sure that we keep colleges buying into the idea that this course makes sense for them and that their kids are going to be more prepared if they accept kids that have these credits
0: what would what would the college board or the AP folks say if asked this question and again everything in our profession the answer could be it depends but but how many AP classes should a student take to prepare themselves for the rigors of college
2: yeah so most kids across the country take zero APs right so more than half of kids take take, take no AP at all um, of all kids who take AP, the the most common number is one, hmm, right? Okay. So between kids who take zero and one, that's the vast majority of kids in, these com- in the country. So our job right now at the College Board is to reach those kids right now that are taking zero APs, so that are taking one AP exam. Um, and then it kind of gets, you know, then two, then three. What we're saying right now is that um, about five courses um, and exams, the research shows that Every single time. So one, taking one college course has the biggest jump in your ability to to get through college in four years, to um, get into the colleges you want, to be able to be successful. Then two, the research shows there's also a jump from one exam to two exams. When you get up to five exams... That kind of jump that we see in giving you an advantage in college kind of levels out. It goes up a little bit more, but five is really where we see it level out. And so what we're saying is the College Board is you can take as many AP exams as you want if that's something you want to do and it's something that makes sense for your college path, but you should take five to think about for, for college admissions, and don't worry about taking more than five for college. Focus on other things in your in your high school career, whether that's extracurriculars, whether that's something you love, whether that's double Doubling down on a, a type of content that you like, but so we say, you know, our job at the College Board is to make sure that kids who are taking zero or one APs take more, and to and to show the research that says at about five is where the research levels off for benefits for college going for kind of getting into the schools that you want to get into.
0: And you, know, you, you you went through it, um, and I want to just slow down on one point that, that I yeah. want to make for all the listeners, really, and and, and to just, just drive it home is that. Um, A lot of folks in our offices talk about getting into college, but this research is based on uh, finishing college.
2: That's right. So we actually think that while it's important to get into school, getting into a school doesn't matter too much for a kid if they're not going to be able to be successful and get that degree, right? And so um, the vast majority of kids um, can get into school with AP, but we really look at the research that shows that uh, kids, when they have AP credit, are more likely to finish in four years. Um, not have to go into a fifth year of school there to get that degree. And, you know, across the country, the average tuition um, at a college right now is about $20,000. So $20,000 between whether you need to take that fifth year or whether you can finish in four, um, we think that's actually a lot more tangible to families and kids when you're thinking about the advantages to AP. It's great to get into that school. It's awesome to get that big packet that's thick that has all the forms you've got to fill out to (laughs) get Go, go there. But, you know, that day is super important to a kid's life, but even more so is the day they're going to walk across stage on that college uh, campus if they choose to go
0: there. You know, I just thought of something. This is a personal story for you in some sense, but you said you went to Georgetown University yep. uh, for undergrad. Your high school didn't have AP. That's right. Um, so obviously, you know, when a, when a school doesn't have some of those resources, like you still got into Georgetown
2: got into Georgetown, so yeah, actually I had to take the SAT, and at the time they called them both SAT-2s and subject mm-hmm, tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I actually found out from Georgetown that one of the reasons I got in was because of those subject tests. So my GPA was great, I was at the top of my class and I graduated in a graduating class of 34, my mom was my music teacher, my dad was my principal, and I had awesome teachers, I had an awesome network of support, but Georgetown knew nothing about my school. Right. And so I was the first kid to apply from a school like that. And so they needed to look at some other kind of credential other than my GPA. Um, to see what was going on. Part of the reason I work at the College Board, and part of the reason that I work with kind of small schools and rural schools, is because my job is to help figure out how we can make more schools like the one I grew up in um, feel like AP is an answer for them, and not just something that they have to do, but something that actually helps them solve a problem they're trying to help with their students. Um, so yeah, so for me, it happened to be SAT subject tests, but for a lot of kids and a lot more kids, even though I was in school, you know, 20 years ago now. Um, AP can be an answer for that to kind of show some kind of consistency. So when they're looking at all those applications from Jersey and California and New York, a kid from Council Idaho can kind of show some kind of comparison.
1: That's a great story. I appreciate that. So yeah. so I've got one that I've heard before, and it, okay. it kind of drives me a little bonkers. <laughs> How would you respond to a teacher who says a student's not quote-unquote AP material? Oh,
0: God. Yeah. Yes, I can't wait to hear your answer on this because, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so so we see from the research, and we actually made some changes to the EP program that went into effect this year based on this, is that that happens more often to a kid from a low-income background, for uh, a kid whose family maybe didn't go to college and hasn't had as much experience figuring that out. Um, to kids of color across this country, particularly um, black kids and Latino kids. And so we made some changes to try to help with that. The first thing we did a few years ago is we introduced what we call AP Potential. And that's a a way for when you take any of the SAT exams, whether that's the PSAT, the National Merit Exam, the SAT, once you take that, when you get your score, you also get a list of AP courses that you have a likelihood to, to succeed in right? And we can print, like a kid can see that, a parent can see that, a college counselor can see that. And so we say, look at that list. And you would be surprised the number of schools that see kids on that list that they would have counseled out of taking an AP exam. And so our job as the College Board is to give as much information as we can to say, here's a list of students just by taking the PSAT or the SAT are showing some likelihood of success. Um, The other thing I would say is that an AP class is should be a college level class, but it also there's a lot of benefits that a kid can get even if they may not get a 3, 4, or 5 on the exam at the end of the year. So we have research that shows that a kid who takes the exam and commits to that actually has better college outcomes than a kid who just sits in the AP course and doesn't take the exam. We were convinced enough by that research that we've actually moved up the registration deadline for when kids need to make that choice because we've seen that when kids make that choice in the fall, they're more likely and their friends and their peers and their teacher are more likely to get them through that course. They all work together towards that exam in May instead of thinking that themselves that they're not AP material.
0: I've, I've the heard thing
2: i Yeah, so the last thing I'd say too is that like, we want kids to think that they're college material, right? Not every kid yep. needs to go to college. Not every, every kid should be able to have the chance to go to college. And for anybody who's thinking I'm not AP material, or if they're told that sometime in their high school career, I think there's a likelihood that that impacts their ability to think that they're college material as well. And so I would just say to help a kid explore what content they want to see, to look at the AP courses that are available in your school, and to help a kid feel on everything. This is the same thing. Like if, if you know, when you're talking about a sport, you wouldn't say, ah, no, don't play that. You're not that kind of material. Your job in high school is to help kids be exposed to as many things as possible and figure out what they like and what they want to keep working on.
0: I think it takes a leadership from an administration too, and even from counselors to, to lobby your school for having an open enrollment policy. For we we have that at our school. Mm-hmm. We even if I have a teacher who makes a comment remark here and there in a meeting, we just kind of kind of hold to that and say if anybody whoever wants to sign up for an AP class can sign up for an AP class.
2: That's right. And I think from, a, from, from looking at it from a college admissions perspective, more than anything, admissions officers are looking to see whether a kid took advantage of the opportunities that were available in their high school. So did they try to, you know, challenge themselves by taking a balance of AP courses and dual enrollment courses? Did they do a few different things, extracurricular, and did they commit to some of those with some intensity? And so to counsel kids out of those opportunities because you think they may not be successful, it's actually more important to show that a kid is, worth, is, is willing to try and is going to try to take on that challenge than to counsel them out and leave them in, you know, whether it's a generic high school course or not. When an admissions officer looks at that, they're going to say, oh, that kid didn't actually take advantage of all the things they could have while they were in high school. And so I think it's way more important to help a kid opt into those things than to counsel them out.
1: Well, I know <clears throat> I used to have students that would come back after they graduated, and maybe they didn't pass the AP exam, but they would still come back and say, "You know what? I'm still glad I took the course because that made the the college course that I'm taking now easier." Oh gosh! Because yeah. I went through your AP course in the Absolutely. first place. You yeah, know? we have
0: a we have an AP Chem teacher who's just an absolute beast. She does AP Chem and AP Bio, and uh, our kids almost always pass. They're smaller classes, but she does like additional chapters because she thinks those are important <laughs> that are not necessarily even on the AP. AP's so, not rigorous <laughs> enough. Yeah, AP's not rigorous enough for her. She does four, <laughs> additional, four additional chapters. Wow. But the kids, uh, they well, get... I
2: think- There's also a split, too, between what a teacher is going to assign as credit for their actual GPA, right? So Mm -hmm. a teacher is in control of the grade that a kid gets for their GPA on the AP exam. The college board's job is to say whether that student has earned a level one, two, three, four, or five as far as the exam itself. But the teacher is still in control of the grade. And so if a kid's afraid of a a GPA impact because of a course, that really is within the school and teacher's discretion. The college board sets the standard for what the exam score is and whether colleges are going to give credit. There, and I I take your point too. Like on AP Chemistry, I would much rather a student get a one or a two on the AP Chemistry exam in in high school and have some confidence that they've learned a bunch of college level material. Turn around and take that class in college, maybe because they didn't get the college credit in high school, but to walk into that chemistry class in college and know a lot more of the content Mm -hmm. because they were exposed to it in high school and be successful there, than walk into it without exposure to that at all and have a hard time now when they're on their own. They're not in high school anymore, and they're paying for that credit either out of their pocket, their parents' pocket, or somebody else's pocket. Because I'd much rather have that kid have that chance in high school to figure that out than wait until they get to college and then not, you know, have a much bigger uh, potential negative impact for not being successful once they get
0: there. The University of Kentucky came to our school some some data folks, and they had outcomes of our kids at University of Kentucky, and it basically proved that our kids were absolutely kicking butt in science when they when they got to uk um, yep. it was way their grades were way higher than average grades uh, of of kids who took rap classes
1: yeah that's uh, great
0: yeah and it was i mean they had they had actual outcome data they came and kind of presented not mm-hmm. kind of they came and presented to us <laughs> at uh, uh, in an admin meeting it was very cool man I, that's this is awesome yeah good interview is you know you're 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 with the college board you got a natch jersey on i don't know if you're sitting in (laughs) sitting in dc right now or if dc today yeah all right very cool very cool is there is there a a place students and parents if they're listening can learn more about college board and ap
2: Yeah, so whether you're a student or a parent or even an educator, you can go to apstudents.collegeboard.org, and that has information on the program itself, credit policies if you're trying to figure out whether a school you're looking at uh, gives credit to AP exams. There's lots of digital tools to help kids be successful in AP courses, and also if you need to register for your AP exam, you can also find it there. So that's apstudents.collegeboard.org.
0: Cool. Jeff? thank you so much again uh, we're recording this on a a sunday morning and you're in the office so uh, yeah
2: anything i can do to help people find out uh you know why ap may be right choice for them and their students um that's our job here and we're going to keep working until more and more kids uh, see it as an option for them
1: awesome awesome well we'll take a break right now and when we come back we'll discuss things a little bit further awesome thanks guys All right, welcome back to Get Schooled by Reason Ford. Chris, let's kind of break down what we just heard and talk okay. a little bit more. Yeah, he did great. I want to use my daughter as an example here. Okay. Um, we interviewed Michaela, my youngest yeah, daughter, yeah, a couple yeah. of episodes ago. So she's currently a junior. Um, she's had two AP courses so far um, human geography and European history because that's Pretty much what you made her take those because it's your favorite subject. Well, no, oh, okay, but that's what freshmen and sophomores in our school can take gotcha. at this point. So she's enrolled in three this year um, and probably will be enrolled in that many next year, knowing her. Okay, so um, be eight, yeah, okay. she likes AP, she enjoys AP, she enjoys the curriculum, she enjoys the rigor of it, okay, but she faced a little bit of a conundrum this past year. Um, she didn't want to take science courses out of her four-year schedule. She's a STEM kid. Okay. She loves it. All right. So she couldn't figure out a way to meet her foreign language requirement. Okay. All right. Um, in Kentucky, part of our pre-college curriculum is that students have two credits of the same foreign language. Okay. Yep. And so in order to fit that into her schedule at school, she was going to have to lose some science courses that she really wants to take. So this last summer, uh, she decided to take two dual credit online courses in Spanish, um, through our local community college. Okay. Okay. Um, and so she ended up getting eight credit hours. Eight. Each, each class was four. Oh, wow. Okay. It was really weird. All right. Um, so she got eight credit hours, um, got A's in both. Good job, Michaela. Um, and now her four-year plan can continue. Okay. So to me, she's an example of a student that's utilized both programs, really well. To to meet her needs. To meet her needs, her individual needs. Right.
0: She didn't strategize Mm -hmm. on, oh, a college is going to think this or a college is going to think that.
1: She just looked at her own needs. Right. And made decisions based on that. And as a point of clarification, we do offer AP Spanish language and AP Spanish literature, but for our kids, they have to take Spanish 1, 2, 3, and 4 before they can get to those courses. Right. So for her, the AP course wasn't an option.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense too. Right. Because, because you'll let know, an incoming freshman
1: high school student can take Spanish 101. Right. So, for her, again, for her, she was able to utilize both programs and make everything fit. Um, I think another thing to consider we work really closely with our partnering colleges um, to make sure there isn't overlap between what they offer in our schools and our AP curriculum. Yeah. Like I said, we have 21 AP courses in right. our school. Um, there was one year, for instance, um, we've got a big partnership with Northern Kentucky University. Um, they're about 20 minutes away from us. So they told us one year that they were going to offer two psychology courses in our building for the next school year. Um, and so I called them up and was like, we really don't need to offer those courses because we have AP psychology in our building. Right. Um, Can we offer something else that is, not in direct competition. No, I think I think that would make the, the, the teachers upset. Right. You know, we're gonna, you're going you're gonna to kill my program. That's right. right. what they're going to think. Right. And, and so they were really quick to agree and offer okay. something else. Um, so for us, we offer a lot of gen ed courses that fulfill requirements but that aren't in competition with AP curriculum. You know, so public speaking, anthropology, criminal justice, um, things like that. Same. We do exactly the same thing.
0: I mean, I'm not trying to make enemies with the teachers. I want to, I, I want to offer, and that's not just that. I mean, it's it's adding more variety to right. the things that our our students can take. Sure. Yeah.
1: So, so for me, I think those are kind of two examples of ways that AP and dual credit can play nice with each other. Right. I have I've got families who
0: are really strong as far as their opinions, on the side of, of dual credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here, here's the general argument, and I'll try to articulate this the best I can. Um, AP, you pay this money for an exam at a chance at a credit, right? and all you have to do with dual credit is pass the class. And if I take enough dual credit classes, perhaps I can graduate in three years or shorten my time. Um, you know, when you get that...
1: Like, what do you do with that in your office? Well, for me, I think a lot of it also is thinking about the idea of how will those credits count at a future college? Um, and, and trying to research what the, credit poli- the, what the transfer credit policies are right. um, for the dual credit courses that they may be taking. Because, you know, I hear that same argument all the time. You know, I take the three credit hour class, I get the grade, i have the credit but we also want to make sure that you're going to be able to use that credit at another school you know um i think it's i don't, I don't get in the way mm-hmm. if, if, a fa- if a family wants
0: to do a bunch of dual credit i've got i've got a few students who i've got one who goes uh, pretty much all day to nku uh, that's great that's mm-hmm. fine it's it's one of those things where i think i just work individually with students, right. with students
1: on and, this, and and I don't ever, I don't ever remember a time where I've said, "Oh, you should do this or that," without having done. Uh, I'll give you an example. I had a had a student a few years ago who wanted to take courses through our local community college. She was planning to go to an out of state school. When we checked with that out of state school, their policy was that. They could only accept credits from two-year colleges in their state oh wow that's pretty technical right like that's some detailed research so in that case we talked about ap's probably going to be better for you right you know but um other than those where we actually do the research and find find the policies it doesn't matter to me which direction a student no and goes. i guess i guess for me it's are they are, is the family telling me what they want because i'll just help mm-hmm.
0: or are they asking me right what i think they should do and that's a difference that's a difference for me i it, What about, here's, okay, slowing down, thinking, thinking, thinking. Here, here's one of the things that happen. You have a, the students have a plan. They've got an idea. Uh, they've got a few schools they want to apply to where maybe the strength of curriculum isn't the biggest factor mm. in their transcript. Maybe they're applying to a few state schools. They know that the, there's a little more money there. It's a little more affordable. But then they add that one reach school on their list. You know, I've always loved Vanderbilt, or I want to go to to Georgetown, uh, like Jeff. Um, And then they ask, now what does my schedule need to look like? And it's weird because that completely changes what I would advise. Mm -hmm. If you take out the REACH school, I would look at the, the college board's research, I would say... You know, if you have five AP classes in your, on your transcript, then you, you've, you've done due diligence in, in preparing yourself for college success because it is about finishing, right. not about getting in. Right. Uh, but, but that question about this reach school is about getting in because like, I don't care what anybody says in any admissions session. You don't have enough AP. You probably aren't getting in to a school that's going to split hairs on a 34 versus a 35 ACT, right. or nine AP classes versus eight AP classes, and that does happen mm. at those schools. Um, you know, without a reach school, you know, I'd recommend maybe two or three APs a year for 11th, 12th grade. Uh, if but if you throw that reach school in there, I can tell you this: a kid's not going to get into UNC Chapel Hill with two AP classes and an internship, because right. that happened to Connor, my my first year at Connor. Right. Uh, and I didn't understand it because all the scores were high, and I didn't know as much about college admissions at that time. And I just called them, and the strength of schedule wasn't, wasn't strong enough. So all that thinking and talking and bumbling through this,
1: what, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that situation? Well, and I think it's, it's hard, too, because you've also got to protect the emotional balance for students. You know, because I've I've got some kids who think they've got to be like AP everything. Yeah, and the stress of keeping up with all of the work is more than they need. And I think it kind of goes back to what Jeff was saying about maybe there's there's some more benefits after you take four or five AP courses, but figuring out where that balance is. If they want to get
0: in. They want to get it. They they want they want right. to get to I mean, Stanford is a school Every I have a kid. Uh, the way I would guess, throw, uh, say it sometimes is, that's a, that's a school I have a kid throw an app at every now mm-hmm. and then, which is not really what people need to be doing. But Six percent acceptance rate. Yeah, and if you're not an Olympian, it makes it even tougher. Yeah. Uh, but if one school is going to change an entire transcript, then where, where's the advice? I don't want to tell a kid, Listen, dude, seriously, like don't even try. Like you, you don't say that. Right. We're counselors. We don't we don't say that to people. But man, if you're gonna have five AP classes per year because your one goal is to if that's the reason you're signing up for APs, then
1: I don't always know what to do. Right. I think that's a, I think that's a tough call. So maybe let's let's go back to our two big questions okay. that we started with yeah, yeah. at the beginning. So, and I'm going to go out of order All right, on the two. So, because these we did write down Right. are two core questions for so, this episode. So question number two, what do you think colleges want to see? What do they say they want to see, or what do
0: I think they want to see? What do you think they want to see? I think they're splitting hairs, and they've got 10,000 applications, and these are selective schools, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe the school's the 50 schools that are under 25% admission rate, you they're going to be splitting hairs by comparing strength of schedule, comparing test scores. I mean, when a school tells me an application is reading well, I look at the test versus a, an application that's not reading well mm-hmm. in a counselor call. The only difference I saw when I got a call like that last year was one kid had a 35 and one kid had a 32. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they want to see a schedule that would have five AP classes out of six on there, four out of six, maybe three. Not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Four, four, or five, maybe going to cut it. And I, 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 think they, I think those types of schools want to see that. They, people listening who work in those schools may, may argue but the counselors, the cynical counselors in our world are going to say, "No, nah, you Eve's. you're right, right. If you don't have that schedule, not getting in." So what about this what about state U? State U. State U doesn't for admission most state U, I mean you have the publics that are hard to get into like like Chapel Hill, Virginia, Michigan, Michigan stuff right. like that. But other than if I, if I throw those out, state U's fine. State U is UBU. Prepare yourself for college. Uh, success and maybe try to find a way to, to challenge yourself you know what if you don't want to take five like jeff said take one mm-hmm. because the difference the the, the the outcomes are so much better after somebody takes an ap if you're if you're someone who's not totally confident in taking a class like that then find find the one you know you can do find the teacher you know you can get along with the best take that person's ap right uh, we have an ap language class here where in, it's the one class, like, uh, how should I say this? 75% of our kids take that AP. And, and nowhere else along along the path at Beachwood does, does one teacher get that many. Right. But, you know, if, they, if, they're, if they're headed toward a one on the exam, it doesn't matter. They're going to get a decent grade in that class. Uh, Julie Rash is going to work with them. Mm-hmm. She's going to teach them a lot. And at our school, like, that's the one. Try that. So state you get, get good grades, work hard, take a couple APs, and
1: that, that works just fine. So really it's about figuring out what the student's ultimate goal is. Right, but that's when I worry when they have the one outlier reach school. Right.
0: Because we tell them, you know, pick a reach school, kind of, right? we kind of say that. Uh, but,
1: you know, I'm wondering if that's even smart to be saying that to kids. All right. So then the big money question, question one, should I take AP or dual credit? Yes. Exactly. Right. You have the same answer. Exactly.
0: Oh yeah. The answer is yes. Yes. It's it's really cool to have a kid in a college class. They gain confidence because they know they can succeed. Like this was a college class. Mm-hmm. I passed a college class. I have college credit with a college professor. With a college professor. Right. Uh, AP is. In a lot of ways, I mean, I feel like AP in general is more rigorous. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of variation um, with dual credit professors on how difficult, sure. how quality, even sometimes um, types of schools. A lot of variation, but I do like for kids to have a dual credit class in their transcript somewhere mm-hmm. if they if
1: they're eligible for it. If nothing else, for the experience, right? But the answer is yes. So, AP versus dual credit. Terrible statement. Terrible title. We need to change that. Let's re-record this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. But but we definitely can say we support both programs. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. So let's let's kind of approach this like we always do by looking at four different groups um, and see what all this means for them. All right. right. Four different lenses. So if you're a school counselor, be knowledgeable about both programs and work with your student to analyze what will best work for them. If a student is looking at out-of-state schools, for instance, show them examples of credit transfer policies at schools they may be interested in attending. Look up the AP credit chart for different colleges or universities. Bottom line, give your students as much information as you can so they can make an appropriate, informed choice. If you're at a university, be clear about your policies. Um, but I'm gonna give
0: universities an A-plus in, in, on this episode um, I have to say, like you all you all do a fantastic job with your AP policy. I can look on almost any university mm-hmm. website and find what AP courses you'll accept and what numbers. So thank you uh, for the dual credit courses. I know University of Kentucky does this already. They've got a database oh, where, awesome. where, where you can just look up any college course, whether it's uh, even a private school like Thomas More University around here, find out what it transfers to at at the local university. And that's a
1: uh, national database. Yes, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. If you're a parent, support your children, but don't pressure them into taking AP or dual credit if they're not ready. However, if they are ready, support them if that's what they want to do. There's a huge temptation to pressure kids because of the immense cost savings. Make sure your child is academically and emotionally ready. Uh, It's really a balancing act between pushing your child too much versus pushing them too little. If you're a student,
0: you have to pick what's right for you. Uh, Consider my previous comments about what that reach school can change your whole perspective. So think about that. Uh, We've got a new phrase at Beachwood. We call it uh, do well and be well. To do well, you can't be stretched too thin. To be well, you can't have more stress than you need uh, or than is helpful. I know you want to get into the best school for you, but none of this matters if you, aren't, if you aren't well. So students, I repeat,
1: do well and be well. And with that, let's take our last break and we'll come back with our final words of wisdom.
0: Welcome back to the episode, everyone. This week's Word of Wisdom. Aside from do well and be well for our students, I'm gonna recommend a new book that hit the college admission world this week. It's called The Truth About College Admissions, A Family Guide to Getting In and Staying Together. The authors are Rick Clark, the Director of Admissions at Georgia Tech and personal friend, and Brennan Bernard, the Director of College Counseling at the Dairy Field School and U.S. Performance Academy. When we finish it, uh, Joel, we will review the whole book, but after two chapters that I've already read, it, it's excellent. It's awesome. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a parent, student, or counselor. This book will teach and guide you. It's awesome so far. I'm excited to keep reading. Get on Amazon and
1: buy The Truth About College Admissions. Well, there you go. All right. Let's talk about our next episode. Yes. We are going to be live, even though it's not going to be live because it's recorded, but we will be live live. from the NACAC National Conference to be held in Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to interview some of the top leaders in the college admissions profession. Over 7,000 school counselors, college counselors, and other professionals will be in Louisville, and we plan to interview them all. Every one of them. 7,000. Probably not. Probably not maybe 3 or 4 but our next episode uh, episode 10 should be entertaining for everyone and we'll get some some different perspectives on the world of college admissions fantastic everyone thanks for listening and we'll
2: see you next time
1: Sweet. Okay. I'm still disappointed no. about it, not being at Indiana Jones' fictional school. it's <laughs> a bummer. Alright. Probably gonna go home and watch Raider's of The Lost Ark. Probably get pretty well. Because you know the Bengals will be losing by the time we get done with this. They've already lost in <laughs> okay. the games I've won.
0: Rolling, rolling, rolling.